Praise Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Almighty, once again we come to You because You are the great Lord I Am. These are, as all days on earth, difficult days to live in. We find ourselves struggling. We struggle from within and we struggle from without. Lord, we struggle with the temptations in our own heart. And we also struggle with trials from the outside. God, I pray that we would hear our shepherd Jesus calling us to love those who are around us so that we can love like our shepherd. In Jesus' name, Amen. Homosexual men and women are not our enemy. Transgender men and women are not our enemy. Radical Islamic terrorists are not our enemy. Did any of those surprise you? Any on that list think, oh, surely, Pastor Greg, you're, you're going too far with that one. We wrestle against, we, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. I hope it doesn't surprise anybody in this room that I am not against any homosexual or transgender or a radical Islamist individual. I am, I suppose, against those who use these individuals and groups of individuals as mascots, parading them, making them think that they're something special when they're really just a tool for their grab for power. But evidently, Paul was not. Paul's target was the spiritual forces arrayed against the church. Of course, it was this exact group that God Almighty scoffed at in Psalm 2-4. And, of course, it was this exact group against whom Paul called us to arm ourselves in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, Paul said, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. But they have divine power to destroy strongholds. Therefore, we destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Your enemy, Christian, is not the LGBT activist. Your enemy, Christian, is not ISIS. Now, should we oppose and should we promote a campaign opposed to ISIS and the destruction that they're doing around the world? Yes, we should. But that is not our job. 
our job is to fight against the spiritual forces that motivate those who are attacking the kingdom of God. And your weapons in this fight are two. They're your heart and your mind. Your mind because we need to give a reason for the hope that is within us. You and I are responsible to know God's Word such that when counterfeits arise, and they will arise, you will be able to spot them. And you will be able to deprive them of the nutrients of a weak mind by showing their folly to your own heart. Your heart is your second weapon in this war because you are to obey Christ. Obey what? Well, among other things, the great commandment. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Listen, your argument about homosexual marriage may be valid and it may be sound, but it will not be cogent without love. You may be following all the rules of logic and all of your premises may be true, but you will convince no one unless you win them with the mind and the heart by logic and by love. Speaking the truth in love, then we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ. The verse I propose to look at tonight, the one that I think matters most in this living, in this loving, in the time of the world when men enter into gay nightclubs with AR-15s and start shooting up, the verse that I think matters to you and me right now is John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Tonight, I want to persuade us to love like our shepherd. Those who are around you and me need to hear the truth. They need to have their minds open to reality as it really is around them. The enemy is real and he motivates people all around us. And Satan really doesn't care how he destroys. He might use greed. He might use sexual immorality he might use ak-47s or machetes but satan wants to destroy instead we stand with our savior by love ronald reagan famously said when you can't make them see the light make them feel the heat i think that that's a good summary if you can't make them see the light make them feel the love because there's nothing on this earth 
so powerful, so energizing as the love of your shepherd living through you. That is how your homosexual neighbor will get eternal life. Love like your shepherd. Tonight we come to a passage where we see this love explained. Here is where Jesus describes what He did for every man, woman, and child who was born His enemy. And from it, we will learn how you and I can emulate Him as we engage lovingly those who are, in, who are today our political adversaries. Because make no doubt, the homosexual activist is our political adversary. But don't move from that to enemy. Because they are not. They are not our enemy. They are the ones that we should love. And there should be no mistake that we love them. Let's go to our passage. We'll start by reading verses 1-5 through of John chapter 10. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out, all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. The stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This is a powerful passage, and I am admittedly not going to exegete every part. Instead, what I'm going to be doing is explaining how this passage describes the work that Jesus did so that he can call himself the Good Shepherd, and then talk a little bit about how that example is for you and me so we can love those around us. So first of all, Jesus draws a distinction. He draws a distinction between himself as the shepherd and the thief. Each has a different interest in the sheep. One desires to use the sheep. The other desires to care for the sheep. And my friends you and I need to make sure that we never fall into the wrong idea where we use people as a means. People are always an end. And that end is to enable them to love their God more. If we use them as a means, if we use them as a tool to get something that we want then we are always the thief. Because the end will always be to steal, kill, and destroy. If instead, we always use people, or we always love people as an end, then we will be showing them the love of our shepherd. The thief is one who wishes to parade the sheep around and wants others to think that he has the sheep's best interest at heart. Let me show you how much I want this sheep to be happy. Watch how willingly I allow, no, even promote the mire that this sheep is in. 
The thief wants to dole out bread and circuses to get the people dependent upon the government and follow it blindly so that when the bread and circuses run out, the sheep will not have moral strength to stand up under it. Oops. Did I just start talking about politics? I did. And on purpose. Because I want us to see in this passage how the author of human beings understood the evil in our heart and how easy it would be to fall into statism. We will be singing hymns to our government and to our government leaders soon. Instead, the shepherd, on the other hand, knows when to handle the sheep gently and when roughly. Now, if, if I have learned anything about my own heart in the last 45 years, is that I'm all too quick to jump to the rough handling part when my desires are crossed. Does anybody know what that's like? But my desires are not the issue. And that's the difference between the thief and the shepherd. My desires are not the issue. The issue is their relationship with their shepherd. And when you are loving them like your shepherd, they will feel the difference. Your relationship with them should not be one of, oh, I want to get. It should be one of openness. By, for example, Jesus calls his sheep by name. He leads them out. They follow him because they know him. Jesus did not use a cowpunch as his illustration. He called himself, and thus those who follow him, shepherds. Ones who call and lead the sheep. I know this in part because of James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Know this, my beloved brothers, that every person be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not bring about the righteousness of God. Love the people around you. Let them know what you are for before you let them know what you're against. When the issue of homosexual marriage comes up, don't be the first person to speak. Allow your gentleness and your love win the day. And when you do, when you speak, be certain that they will not always understand. They didn't understand Jesus either, which is exactly what we find starting in verse 6. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what He was saying to them. So, Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Yesterday I was on the way to Home Depot. And as I was getting on the freeway there at Main Street, I felt my heart beginning anxious. Does anybody here know what I'm talking about? You ever 
hit that time of day where your heart is starting to get anxious. I was thinking about all the things that I had planned out for that day, all the things that I wanted to get done that day, and they needed to be done in a certain order, in a certain amount of time, and it needed to be done well. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody here? And so I, I got onto the freeway, and I was thinking to myself, okay, Greg, preach the gospel to yourself. And I thought, you know, my problem isn't that I think I'm earning God's favor. I, real, I realized that wasn't the thing. And then I thought, well, you know, the problem also isn't that I think somehow God won't be glorified in my day as I go through these different activities. You know what my problem was? I realized right then my problem was I was focusing on my problems and I wasn't focusing on my shepherd. I realized at that moment it, it wasn't the sick and twisted legalism that I do fall prey to. I'm not saying I don't fall to that sin. But that wasn't my problem yesterday. My problem yesterday was not earning God's favor somehow. My problem was that I was so focused on this, 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 and this that I was effectively living like an atheist excluding God from all the things I needed to do. Not perfectly, certainly, but on that trip to Home Depot, I realized, Lord, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen during this, and I don't know what's going to happen during that, but you know what? I'm just going to trust you, and I'm going to get off the accelerator and stop going 75 miles an hour. <laughs> because you are the great God who is worthy Lord, how deceitful my heart can be. I need this reminder that Jesus is the door. Jesus is the means by whom we enter eternal life. We Baptists make the mistake of thinking that eternal life is something that we'll get to someday. Eternal life is meant to be lived on the 101 between Maine and Betteravia. Eternal life is meant to be lived in a dusty old attic where you're changing wires for a light. And eternal life is meant to be lived at Avila Beach. Eternal life is meant to be lived in the lonesome hours on our bed at night and into the all too many noisy hours in between. This is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is loving like your shepherd. This, my friends, is what you need. Not, I got 35 things to do today and I'm driving 75 miles an hour because I have a bad heart. And I'm not looking to the one I need to be living for. Oh Lord, this, this is my life. This is one of the consuming 
besetting sins. It's not that I have, I have plenty of things that have God written on them. I do lots of good stuff. But are my eyes focused on what I'm doing or are my eyes focused on the one whom I am to be living for? That, my friends, is the difference between living for the thief and living for the shepherd. All who came before Jesus were thieves and robbers. They either snuck in or took by force. But what did they take? They took life. Now, I I don't want to pretend that this is the whole answer. Again, like I said a second ago, I'm not exegeting this text as if I were going through the book of John. I'm, I'm helping you to take application from this sermon by telling you my own story. And in my own story, I allow Satan to steal and kill and destroy because my eyes are not on the one who is eternal life. It's not that my sins are particularly bad, like Pastor Benji was just talking about a few minutes ago. You don't have to have this great, wonderful, tremendous uh, testimony. You just need to be one who has finally looked away from sin and looked towards the Savior. That is a wonderful testimony. The answer to your homosexual neighbor or to your garden variety American pagan is to give life. It's the opposite of stealing and killing and destroying is giving and nurturing and building. Giving life like this is the secret to abundant life. The nourishment and rest that empowers today and ensures tomorrow. The thief has come only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life. On the 101. And have it abundantly. This, my friends, is the punchline. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he does that quite effectively, no? But Jesus has come to give you. And then through you, abundant life. As you're standing in a 20 mile long grocery line. As you're frustrated once again because your kid just hasn't figured it out. That is, that is where abundant life matters. In your struggles on a day to day basis. Now two things are helpful here. When you actually do have an opportunity, when someone wants to have an honest conversation with you about, say, homosexual marriage or radical Islamic terrorism, and, and it's more than just, hey, I want to find out what you dumb Christians think. That happens to me. And, and I intentionally try to get into those conversations by working at the city, by being in Toastmasters, by doing work at Good Sam. When the question is presented like that, not interested. Greg, t- 
tell me really, what, what do Christians, why are they opposed to homosexual marriage? Okay, now we can have a real conversation. And here are my two, my two points. I don't always say it this way. It depends on the context. You are loved. And you are wrong. You, garden variety American pagan, you, garden variety football or basketball or baseball idolizing American, you, homosexual activist, you, abortionist provider, you, ordinary person, are loved. And you're wrong. Guess what? So am I. Start and finish with love. Advice will not change heart, but love has the best shot of anything there is. And if you get the chance to talk about sin, talk about the fact that everyone has their flavor of sin that they keep coming back to over and over and over again. Talk about the fact that you also have a flavor of sin that you idolize but wish to be rid of. Talk about the fact that sin hides us from real love. From finally getting what it is we're seeking after when we're pursuing all of the idols this idol factory makes. Talk Talk about how love transcends the pride of being right or of being on the right side of history or of winning the culture war. Because living and loving like your shepherd is the only argument they cannot fight. Because even if they deny it, they cannot mistake it. Love like your shepherd. Then Jesus makes clear for us who He is and what He means for us. Verses 11-13, through 13, He says, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because He is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus is the shepherd. And He's contrasting Himself with those who run away at the first sign of danger. And remember, this passage is first and foremost about Christ and who He is for us. We we need to remember that because I'm about to make an application that doesn't deny that, but kind of makes hay in another direction. This passage is also a description of how you and I are to orient our lives with regards to those who are around us. Both believers and non-believers, homosexual, Muslim, even those crazy Presbyterians down the street are all equally to be loved. We are not their Savior. Christ is the Savior. But the application for these three verses are at the minimum is that you and I are not to run for danger when it comes to carrying those around us. Now, it doesn't surprise anybody here that shepherd is a metaphor that's found straight 
through the Bible. And when Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, he is standing in contrast to at least four different bad shepherds that are found throughout the Bible. One is called worthless shepherds. If you go, you will find worthless shepherds. These are the leaders in the religious world that claim to lead their flock to green valleys, but are there merely fill their teaching with stories and feel-good pats on the back. Jesus and those who seek to follow Him encourage those around Him or her to strive after that which really amounts to eternal, abundant, real, new life. We strive after that which really is food and drink for the soul. Fearful shepherds are found throughout Scripture. These are those who abandon their flock when time gets rough. (laughs) Been doing this for almost 20 years. Temptation to flee comes in many forms. We may not be chased by bears or wolves here in Santa Maria, California, but we are tempted to cower before angry people who demand us to do things the way they want. (laughs) Looking at the pastors in the room, shaking their heads, nodding their heads. Temptation is real. What about greedy shepherds are found throughout Scripture? These are the leaders who are merely in the ministry because they want an easy job that has many perks. I heard it told me by my pastoral professor. He said the ministry is the perfect job for workaholics, and I'm quoting him now, and lazy SOBs. Yes, my ministry professor told me that. You can be either in this job. And Jesus calls us to something else. He calls us to pursue godliness with contentment, which is great gain. And finally, weak shepherds. You'll find examples of weak shepherds throughout the Scripture. Weak shepherds just really don't know God's Word, and therefore they have no staying power. They can't do the job, so they coast. Now, I'd be lying if I said I didn't fall to some of these temptations from time to time. God save me. But remember, God commands us to be faithful not perfect. And the Bible makes it clear that these are areas we must strive to follow, be like Christ in. We must love like our shepherd. I'm going to conclude our part of this by reading verses 14 to 16. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own follow me, know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. Again, my friends, you are not the good shepherd. You are not Christ. You are not the Savior of anyone, and your death will not make an eternal difference in someone else's life, apart from being a good example or Christ working through it. But you are not the Savior. And simply saying that Christ died for their sins won't make a difference in the lives of those around you either. 
What your neighbors need is your love and your example that comes from knowing God's Word and then trusting it. And showing that your life has been changed by the power of God the Spirit in you and through you. So that when you talk about the fact that Jesus died for your sins and He rose again for your justification, they will know that they know that Jesus is your shepherd and they will want Him for theirs also. Love like your shepherd. Live in such a way that those around you smell the fragrant love of Christ in your attitudes and actions. And this will mean speaking up for sure. And it will mean speaking with the authority that is gained only through real love lived through by day by day. Omar Mateen is a murderer. And I believe right now he is already burning in hell. Because he offended the God of the universe by seeking to destroy those who were created in his image. Period. Murdering homosexuals, murdering other people that you may disagree with is always and in every time a horrific sin and heinous to the honor of our King. Do not mistake that. And in your communication to those around you, make sure that you tell those who are near you all that you are for. You are for abundant life. This life does not come through homosexual merit, um, relationships, nor does it come through any other kind of sexual perversion or any covetous perversion. But it comes from opening your heart, seeing how Christ loves in the Scripture and loving like your shepherd. Let's pray to that shepherd right now. Oh Lord Almighty, let us love effectively in the time of gay bar terror. Let us love like our shepherd, those who are around us and need to see and smell and taste the love of God. Because they may not get a chance to taste it anywhere else. Lord, let us love like You because only Your love is worth emulating. We love You, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for coming. You're dismissed.